War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Best lawn ever, guaranteed. Contact Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island today. Now, you can call them, 401-392-1025. Get a quick, easy quote. The best thing to do, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. They have a great website. It's easy, lawndoctor.com, lawndoctor.com. Then just put in your zip code. Get a quick, easy a quote. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Take Get part of their premium eight-service program. Early spring, spring lime, late spring, summer, Grub prevention, early fall, fall, late fall, Lawn Doctor, online at lawndoctor.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's Friday. It is June 17th. I want to wish everyone a very happy Father's Day. This portion of the program brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They have everything you need for Father's Day. Stop it and see them. 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. They have gift certificates. They have great, uh, unique, original gifts for your dad. Plus, vegetable plants and herbs, large selection, beautiful patio pots, hanging pots, 10-inch, 12-inch moss baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. Look for them on Facebook. They are a full-scale nursery, Rhode Island's number one garden center. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They're available. Pickup and delivery, mulch, darky, piney, black, hemlock, crushed stone. And again, they are open seven days a week. Father's Day is coming up Sunday. Why not get Dad a gift that he'll remember? How about something to plant in the backyard? PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Folks, again, we've made it to friday and um i just want to mention that as i've kind of mentioned in the past this state budget is is it's completely ridiculous the state budget is completely uh just insane at this point i don't know what to to make of this this is um this is 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 really uh the amount of money that is flowing around there's there's going to be a loud crash there's going to be a loud boom uh, there's so many decisions that are being made that are just political decisions. It's it's just preposterous. And also, Channel 12 did um, Channel 12 did a, a great piece. They spoke to very good. Haven't seen this in a while. Haven't seen it since uh, a lot of times they used to reserve this for like members of organized crime. But they darken the faces, change the voices. But Tim White, who's done very good reporting. Uh, interviewed some of the students involved that north kingstown naked fat test but uh what's interesting to me is channel 12 also airs a program with uh dan york who had tim white as a as a guest on i guess it's our just once a week but he listen to this is york main saying to tim white that the silent majority silent athletic community they feel that these naked fat tests were actually, in his words now, no big deal. But there's a silent athletic community out there that's kind of going, it wasn't that big a deal. And they remain silent. But, but it does, it was a big deal to them. So does those that matter? Guys. Of course, and to dozens of others that we talked to. Those are just the guys that went on television. Can you imagine that type of mentality? There's a silent athletic community. I want to hear that again. That feels no big deal that a 14-year-old boy has to get into a closet alone and get naked for a coach who was then examining his private area. Folks, I want to play this. Here we so go. You can't dismiss That's Tim White. But there's a silent athletic community out there that's kind of going, it wasn't that big a deal. And they remain silent. But, but it, does, it was a big deal to them. So it doesn't so it wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't that big a deal for a 14-year-old boy, sometimes 13, middle school, have to get into a closet and a grown man, this Coach Thomas would, and they don't even deny it, would be on his knees at the boy's groin and pretend to be a, a measuring and looking at his his private area. I mean, it, and, and see, this is how people like that get away with it. Because you have someone like York trying to maintain that it was just no big deal. I, I, the only thing is, I don't know why Tim White doesn't push back more. I don't know why Channel 12, well, he works for them. So they won't do a story on this. But listen to where York maintains, when are you going to talk with all the athletes? All right. So maybe five didn't like getting a naked in the closet with the coach. 
Do you understand there's, there's no reason for the test? No one has come forward to say this is how you perform the test. And yet you still have, this is this passive-aggressive defense of Coach Thomas. Seconds here. We ever going to bring in 20, 30, 40, 50 athletes that didn't have a problem with this? If we, you know, if they want to talk about it. But, Dan, three independent reports say this. You already have by the time we see it. I have 15 seconds here. We ever going to bring in 20, 30, 40, 50 athletes that didn't have a problem with this? If we... You know, that that is a, a passive-aggressive, continuing defense of this naked fat test. I just... I'm telling you, but then, but they all let him get away with it. Now, Pork Boy had Tim White on for 22 minutes. He saves the naked fat test for the end, and then listen to what he says at the very end of the program. Wish I had more time with Tim on that conversation, but make sure that you watch his journalism on this. And I wish I had more time. You just had 22 minutes with him. You chose to bring it up at the very end. Channel 12 allows it, and obviously my old station allows it. The silent athletic community that feel this is no big deal that a 13- and 14-year-old boy has to get into a closet. Uh, in the Tim White piece, by the way, the athletes described they had a, a camera, and then it'd have to go, you know, he would see if someone was coming. Some would be like, be there in a minute. And um, now Tim White, he, he also didn't fully get into the fact. I think it was the, the Boston Globe, perhaps. Someone did a, a piece where they talked about that you know, one of the athletes said that, you know, he, he got, he's 14 years old, 15 years old. He's in there naked. Someone's touching his thighs. Someone's touching around his private areas. I think he may have gotten aroused and said suddenly the breathing of the coach changed. What does that tell you as he's kneeling between his legs? And yet you have a defender like this guy and two dozens of others that we talked to. Those are just the guys that went on television. So you can't dismiss doubt. But there's a silent athletic community out there that's kind of going, hey, wasn't that big a deal? And they remain silent. But, but, but it, does, it was a big deal to them. Wasn't that so big of a deal? Folks, I mean, I get, I, you know, the, Jerry Sandusky, there were other football players that could say, you know, to be honest with you, it didn't happen to me. Uh, I don't you know, there were other parishioners, there were other altar boys that say, actually, you know, Father Gagan never did that to me. There were people that said I was an altar boy. Father Porter never said he wanted to see me alone. I mean, this is the defense. This is absolutely defense. Well, why, why don't you bring in 50 guys that said that they didn't mind it? I, I don't know. The, what I think needs to be examined is who are these people? Who are these people in the athletic the Rhode Island is a scholastic league that don't feel it's a big deal. Is is this the case? Are there people saying, you know, actually, I agree. I don't see the big deal with it. There, there wasn't any concrete reason for it. Tim White also, um, in his reporting, found out that when they bought a machine and said to Thomas, okay, there's no more reason to do this. They spent $5,000 and said from now on, they bought a machine for him, and then they put it in the middle of the locker room in North Kingstown Coach Thomas said, oh, I just remembered I got to do puberty tests. It's like making it up as he goes along. Folks, there's no other way to explain it other than this coach had this thing, whatever you want to call it, where he obviously enjoyed, put a lot of time and effort into. He liked to have young men come into a closet alone with him, and he would have them put pressure on them. Now, granted, he'd do the, are you shy or not shy? That was even an out. Oh, if you're shy, you can keep your underwear on. If you're not shy, just pull it down. He, I, I don't know how else to describe. he had this thing that he liked being is, is extremely up close and personal as you can be. The young man is standing there. The coach has him drops his, drop his drawers. The coach is then kneeling in front of him measuring and touching his thighs one student claims he performed a hernia check on him i mean the the, the it immediately stopped there's no defense of it you know and here you have channel 12 and as a matter of fact w now he's doing this on channel 12 so they're really the ones he's the host he's the host that is doing this this is not he's done it on his radio show but 
this is on the channel 12 airwaves and keeps claiming but this is like a passive against aggressive approach it doesn't fully come out but certainly hints when are you gonna have the 50 guys that didn't mind it huh when are you gonna have them on huh white oh when are you gonna have all the guys that didn't mind it he continues you know most people there's a silent majority of people that see this as no big deal 13 year old boy naked now in the interview with tim white which i'm about to play uh you know one of the kids this is also so sad said his father just passed away and then the coach kind of preyed on him with that and then you have this silent athletic community it's no big deal but there's a silent athletic community out there that's kind of going it wasn't that big a deal and they remain silent but but it does it was a big deal to them so does of course, and two dozens of others. I mean, he just won't stop this defense of Coach Thomas. This I like this part. You just had the guy for 22 minutes. You waited to the very end. Okay, let's get into the naked fat test, Coach, which I have a feeling that's why Tim White even agreed to sit in on this whole thing. And then he says this. Make sure that you watch his journalism. Hold on. Wish I had more time with Tim on that conversation, but make sure that you watch his <laughs> journalism on this and decide for yourself where you think you are. Lots of things on the platter, huh? We'll talk decide where you are so some people are going to say no i i don't think there's anything wrong with a grown man having a 13 year old boy get naked in a class in a in a closet well see where you come down on that well we already know where he comes down on that wish i had more time folks any any reporter any normal reporter you would have started with that Right, Tim White, they put a lot of work and effort into this. Uh, I, I'm even going to go so far as to say it's an award-winning type of of um, piece that they put together. So I, I, this whole business of there's a silent athletic community feel it's no big deal that this man is getting into a closet with young men. Channel 12 is airing it. Channel 12 is airing the the Dan York state of mind. If students recall what it was like. So this is was I would imagine the premise of why Tim White agreed to go on. And then he asked all these other things. And then, at, oh, gee, at the very end, we better sneak it in. And you hear, I, I only got about 15 seconds left. So he wants to have Tim White as a guest and then comes to to this. Um this is a really good piece that Channel 12 School Scandal put together. I want to uh, play it. Many of you were subject to naked fat tests by Aaron Thomas. They all raised their hands. There's so many times where people had the ability to do something right, and they chose to do nothing. Now, folks, I, I want to just point out, they, um, they kind of hide their voice. They manipulate their voice through uh, voice change machines to protect them. They disguise their voice, is what I'm trying to say. Now the district is the focus of a federal civil rights investigation, and the Rhode Island Attorney General is examining whether criminal charges should be filed. Target 12 investigator Tim White is here now with the exclusive interviews. 12 News concealed the identities and altered the voices of the former students for this interview. We referred to each of them using a letter, student A through E. And in a stark reminder of how long these inappropriate tests had been going on, their ages span decades. When I say the phrase shy or not shy, what does that trigger in you? Oh, man. Um, Were you asked that? Oh, yeah. Every time. Every time. And you didn't, I didn't want to be not shy because my entire childhood, I wanted to play varsity basketball for North Kingstown. You know, a lot of my, like, heroes they, were... They disguised their voice on purpose. Um, people I looked up to, especially him. So I really wanted him to like me. I wanted him to respect me. Student D's story is strikingly similar to those of dozens of others, if not more, who attended North Kingstown High School. They were brought into then-basketball coach Aaron Thomas's office and asked to remove their clothes for what Thomas called fat testing. She just put a lot of trust in a guy like that. Um, as, a, as an incoming freshman, you're trying to play for him, North Kingstown. Pretty competitive program, won the state championship a few years ago, um, 
And when you have a guy like that uh, asking you and telling you you need to do these things, you kind of do it just to please him and just to show him that you are all in for his program. Student B says he was first subjected to a naked fat test in middle school during a basketball camp. And it was from an older kid at camp. Middle school. And we were all talking about fat testing. And he says flippantly, he'll ask you if you're shy or not shy, but just take your underwear off because that's what everybody does. It's completely changed my life. I went through a battle of addiction. Um, he, he took advantage of me when uh, I was a vulnerable role vulnerable time when I lost my dad. Wow. And uh, it's tough. Coach should be there for a kid who lost his dad. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the worst time when right after I lost him was by far my worst experience with him. E, did you tell your folks? Absolutely not. Um, while I was a student, uh, there was a permission slip to some extent. Um, that permission slip did not outline being naked in the windowless room with Coach Thomas. As an audiovisual teacher, Thomas had an office at the high school with media equipment, including a closed-circuit camera outside his door that students say acted as an early warning system if anyone approached. There was times where I was naked on the floor and another teacher approached the door from the outside and he would stop the fat test and he'd say, just a minute, or something like this. Yep. Or there are times where he'd step out the door while you're naked. And he'd say, just, you know, just move you right out. More than once uh, while I was completely naked in his office, whether it was a teacher, a student coming to do the same thing after me, uh, he would slip out the door, talk to a student, five, five minutes, less than five minutes, come back in, continue the test. When you think back at your time at North Kingstown High School, can you think back at that and not think about what happened to you? Nope. No, absolutely. And even for me, uh, I was a big-time athlete, good at basketball. I didn't play after my freshman year. Me either. And due to that, you know, uh, it stripped me from even being being able to, to play a sport I loved in high school. Have any of you guys ever been approached by the school, by the school department, to either apologize or say, how can we help? Never. Absolutely. None of you guys. Never. 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 They just deny it. We, t we talk about this. That's what's been continually upsetting amongst yeah. ourselves. Silence. Yeah. Silence. The lack of appropriate outreach and reaction from the school department has done nothing but compound um, the insult and injury that's rested upon these kids. And frankly, these fa families throughout the system that I've spoken to. Attorney Timothy Conlon represents multiple former North Kingstown students. He says the interview with Target 12 was the first time all five of these former athletes were in the same room at the same time. You go in from an environment where, where you effectively feel muzzled and incapable of saying things to reach out for help to an environment where people are reassuring you that indeed your speaking up is welcomed. For student E, who is the youngest of the group. It ruined a sport that I absolutely loved. The older members of the group say they tried to raise red flags about Thomas, but got nowhere, allowing Thomas to continue his behavior with new generations of teenage athletes like student E. Should he even be here? Absolutely no. no. And I think, so that was, that was one of the driving forces for us speaking up early on. And we had a couple goals. One was to make sure it's, it doesn't happen to anyone else and isn't happening to anyone else. And two, you know, something was broken and we, we needed to fix it. And so um, we didn't know that it was still going on when we first kind of started out. We didn't want to take that chance. We were like, look, we have to keep pushing this on the off chance that it is still going on today. And it was it was a punch in the gut to hear that it wasn't, you know, still going on, you know, so many years after we experienced it when we did. The punch in the gut was not to know that it was still going on, was to know that people in charge knew about it, knew that it was deceitful, and chose to do nothing. And I, and I, and I still get angry about that. Through an attorney, Thomas has repeatedly denied any wrongdoing. He has not been criminally charged. Attorney General Peter That was, um, they're still investigating that. That is Tim White's piece. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, and it's brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet, and they're returning for three days, Ron's Pastry Gourmet. That's right. Starting tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, they're going to be up on 
Apples Avenue at Federal Hill. They're having a big festival right in front of the uh, Bank of America branch. You can find Ron's Pastry Gourmet with their delicious chocolate donuts, the Trump 2024 chocolate donuts, the most delicious calzones. Unfortunately, Ron's Pastry Gourmet has closed, but they return. Ron's Pastry Gourmet returns for three days this Friday, tonight, Saturday, Sunday, up on Federal Hill. Pop by. Thank them for all their years of wonderful, uh, fresh bakery, uh, the most delicious chocolate donuts, folks. And also, they've always been great with law enforcement. Free coffee for police and military. Stop and see them. Ron and Melissa, Ron's Pastry Gourmet, three days, Federal Hill, Bank of America building, right up there on Atwell's Avenue. Stop it and see them, the most delicious chocolate donuts and also delicious calzones. Make it a great day. Your chance to see them at Ron's Pastry Gourmet. You are listening on this Friday to the John DePietro Show. Time means grill time. And for the best grill, get a new grill. Stop in and see my friends. Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV. J apostrophe S, Broadway Appliance and TV. Located 47 Cedar Swamp Road. That's Route 5, Smithfield. You can call them 401 949-7800 springtime summer this is the best time to grill outside they have a great selection on grills they also have a great selection on all appliances family-run business since 1963 remember you're going to deal directly with the owner and they will match or beat any package deal when it comes to appliances do you need a new refrigerator how about a new dishwasher washing machine dryer oven microwave jay's broadway appliance look for them online at jsappliance.com also on facebook springtime summer is grill time stop in and see them they're open monday through friday from 10 to 5 you can make an appointment for more personal saturday and sunday appointments jay's broadway appliance and tv 401-949-7800 better yet drive in and see them 47 cedar swamp road route 5 in smithfield you're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 Joining us right now, he is the National Right to Work Committee President, and we're going to discuss President Biden and what he has plans with his pals at the AFL-CIO, and it's our friend President Mark Mix. Um, thank you for joining us once again, Mark Mix. John, good to be with you, and thanks for the opportunity to chat about uh, the recent speech by Biden at the AFL-CIO convention. Mark, talk a little bit about that, and especially uh, something that should frighten everyone is this business of Biden and the support for the so-called PRO Act. Yeah, absolutely, John. That's uh, probably the primary objective of organized labor in this legislative session, a bill that's already passed the House of Representatives with no committee hearings and no testimony. Um, it is on uh, pending in the Senate committee. Uh, the bill would first and foremost wipe out all 27 right-to-work laws across the country. Uh, those laws are very simple. They say that workers can join unions, participate in unions, and you know run for office in unions and give their entire paycheck to unions if they want to, but they can't lose their job if they decide they don't want to financially support the labor union. They're very, very simple. Uh, they're in place in 27 states, and the PRO Act would wipe them all out by federal decree. Um, additionally, in that bill, there's a move toward card check unionization, taking away uh, opportunities for secret ballot elections for union certification. That means that, John, you know, three of my buddies and I can show up at your front porch and, and have you sign this card saying that, you know, hey, we can say everything we want. We can say you're going to get your pay raise or you get more insurance. And that card, the signature on that card, turns out to be a vote for unionization. And is very, very difficult to withdraw. That's in there. Uh, secondary boycotts, the idea that uh, you know unions can go protest at a customer's house or a customer's business, and, then, and that customer calls the target, the company that's trying to be unionized, and says, you know, what's going on? I got union people all over my shop over here. They want you to, to recognize the union. Uh, what do I do about this? And so far under American labor law, that's, it, that's illegal, but the secondary boycott is something that would be authorized by the PRO Act. So it's pending in the Senate. It's uh, they, They've got little time to get it done with the elections looming on the horizon, John. And I think politically, there are a lot of folks that probably say, we don't want to get into that. We're glad to mouth support for it. But if we actually vote for it, it's going to be damaging to the economy, like most of the policies that Joe Biden has uh, that involve big labor. Mark Mix, it's, it's frightening even that, uh, that President Biden would even, I mean, this is so different than what President Trump would do. But just the fact that he supports this PRO Act is I mean, to me, that, that shows how much they just control the Biden administration. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, when he when he came on the stage in, in Philadelphia the other day, he, uh, you know, to standing ovations of union officials, not rank-and-file workers, frankly, John, because there's a big and a growing divide between rank-and-file workers and the, the so-called union officials that represent them. And, you know, he came out and, and uh, talked about, you know, you're the ones that brought me here and all the money and all the power that you give me. And, you know, you guys are, uh, the, you, you, come, you, you go to the dance, you go home from the dance with the ones that brought you and all this good stuff. And frankly, it's just amazing to hear what he's got to say about, you know, union, you know, being the most pro-union president in American history. If you're in the energy sector, if you were working on the Keystone Pipeline or you're working on an oil rig, a wildcat or out in, you know, on federal lands doing exploration and, and drilling, uh, 14,000 of those types of employees who all had union cards in their pocket were basically on the unemployment line after Joe Biden took office. And, you know, the union officials that represent those workers uh, endorsed him, gave money to him and helped him get elected, which is true. I mean, he says that uh, openly. They, they were the reason why he got elected. But yet when we think about, you know, the Trump election in 2016, we know this, that rank-and-file workers in Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio and Illinois and Indiana, those states where Trump won, surprisingly, it, it, it goes without saying that rank-and-file union members crossed over from the advice, and I'm using my finger quotes here, John, the advice that union officials gave them about who to vote for and voted for Donald Trump, who wanted to secure our borders and, and uh, lower taxes and lower you know, government regulations and uh, reduce government regulations. And yet that agenda, which is which is right on the sweet spot for most Americans, particularly most Americans in the workplace, that are now paying you know six dollars for a gallon of gas, and and they can't believe the prices at the grocery store when they go there to shop for food for their families. You know that disconnect is growing wider and wider. But yet you know the mainstream media touts this uh, speech to the working people of America, and frankly, John, as you know, only six point one percent of the private sector workforce is unionized today. So when he's up there talking about labor and labor policy and all this, he's trying to give favors to that very, very small group of union elites that are the ones that, quote, give him the money to, uh, you know, to get reelected or to get elected. Folks, again, we we'll speak with National Right to Work Committee President Mark Mix. And, Marks, just so people have an understanding, there's an awful lot of political spending at stake, and, and they're not afraid to spend it the way they did in 2020. Yeah, absolutely, John. You know, when we think about political spending and what the media spins out there is that, you know, you have the Soroses and the Koch brothers and you have the RNC, the Republican National Committee, the Democrat National Committee, and you have other, you know, uh, hedge fund titans that are out there pouring millions of dollars into races, which they are. But when you tally up the money that you organize labor spends on politics, which, you know, there's a couple different ways to look at it, but the, the most base way to look at it is what they report on their LM2 forms and their, their political action reports with the government every two years after these elections. And, and it's easy to find almost $2 billion in political spending. And then if you start overlaying the state activity from the state unions that don't file these types of reports because they don't have private sector workers like the NEA and other unions uh, that represent government employees, the number grows so dramatically and so quickly that it's enormous. And people, you know, it's almost unbelievable. But when Justice Alito ruled in our Janus versus uh, AFSCME case at the U.S. Supreme Court almost four years ago to the day, John, he said that everything that government unions do is political because they're trying to redress and control the direction of government. And we've seen that in the schools. We're seeing that. I mean, unfortunately, we're seeing it in the schools and just how powerful they are. But all that money is is basically deemed to be political. And, and so they're trying to elect the bosses that they will sit down at the table with and negotiate with. And so once you start adding those numbers in, you can get to, you know, 10, 11, 12 billion dollars every two years for political and lobbying activity. Folks, again, we'll speak with our friend Mark Bix. And Mark, can you touch on also the situation with uh, AFL-CIO leader Frank Schneider in Pennsylvania? Yeah, you know, I wish I could, John. That was one of those great mysteries that kind of popped up right before the AFL-CIO convention in Philadelphia. He was supposed to be named the state president of the AFL-CIO, and all of a sudden there's a press release put out that says he's no longer going to be the president. They've put somebody else in, and Liz Shuler, the, uh, the, the, the new president of the AFL-CIO, who replaced Richard Trumka, who passed away last year, um, she basically said, you know, it's an internal matter, nothing happened there, but boy, John, it seems like to me that the Office of Labor Management Standards at the Department of Labor ought to be interested in what happened there, because if it's financial malfeasance, then the rank-and-file workers across the state of Pennsylvania need to know about that. They need to know what happened. Just like the bosses of the UAW, of which 14 top executives are in jail today, 
for financial malfeasance and stealing and, and using union members' money to go to Palm Springs and play golf and buy $400 bottles of champagne. I mean, this was it's, it's kind of a cover-up right now. It, it's be interesting to see what happened there and whether any information comes out about what Mr. Snyder did to basically deny him uh, the presidency, the office of the presidency of the Pennsylvania AFL-CIO when he was, I guess, duly elected to, to be sworn in at the convention in Philadelphia. Wow. Mark, can you just also go back on the PRO Act? That is really uh, amazing, simply because, you know, the states that, that have become right-to-work states, um, you know, Florida, North Carolina, um, Florida, North Carolina, I believe Ohio, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of people that felt that it's, it's, it's tragic that Rhode Island, if Rhode Island would pivot into that, how Rhode Island really could have stood out uh, in New England, probably be the, I think the closest right-to-work state would have been Ohio, but that's um that's incredible boy they they never let down their guard they're always trying to cut in and felt they finally had a president that would try to push across this pro act to get rid of the right to work status yeah well actually west virginia is the closest now they oh, west virginia and virginia okay. are both right to work states ohio's not a right to work state yet oh. john we're working on that okay. but we'll get there we'll get there absolutely but yeah you're right i mean the idea of union officials and their opposition is so crystal clear as to why because they want the money they yeah. don't want to have to go out and sell their product to workers they they don't know how to do that and frankly since 1935 actually 1937 when the supreme court upheld the federal wagner act which is now known as the national labor relations act they have had government authority and government privilege to say to you, John, look, if you don't pay us, you don't work. I mean, that's the federal policy. And so, you know, after this power that developed from that point to nineteen to the end of World War II, uh, 1946, union officials grew, you know, astronomically. Union membership and union power grew during that period. In 1947, the Congress passed the Taft-Hartley Act, which said states could, by affirmative vote, outlaw the closed shop, which is in place in 23 states where literally, if you don't pay union dues, the union official goes to the employer, your employer says, John hasn't paid, John has to be fired. And wow. that's the way the law works and it's federally imposed. And so the states that have right to work protect workers against that. But because it's a federally granted privilege to the states to pass right to work uh, laws, Joe Biden could, with a stroke of a pen, wipe out all 27 right to work laws and go back under this federal forced unionism authority that exists since the 1930s. And before I let you go, could you just highlight some of the, just say that like the top five or top 10 right to work states that they're really thriving with business? Yeah, in Michigan, Indiana, South Carolina, North Carolina, Texas, uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. I'll keep going if you want, John. But wow. suffice to say, that's where that's where the growth in America is. Nevada, Arizona, uh, Idaho. Uh, you know, those are the states that are actually growing and creating opportunities for young families to to have uh, a better standard of living than in, in state. Unfortunately, states like Rhode Island and Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, and and California and, and uh, Illinois, and those states that still allow union officials to have that dramatic power over workers. Uh, folks, he is the National Right to Work Committee President, Mark Mix. Mark, before I let you go, how can people log on to learn more about the National Right to Work Committee? Yeah, John, thanks. They can find us on that amazing internet at www.nrtwc.org. Nrtwc.org. Mark Mix, the people are with you. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. The next time you have an emergency, Head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine. Diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions you someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to atmed urgent care two locations johnston 1524 atwood avenue suite 122 or east greenwich 5750 post road online at atmedurgentcare.net
to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining right now is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It's our legal expert. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, I'd like to just start off with what we know and just kind of walk through some scenarios with the missing person, Charlotte Lester case. And this is the woman last seen Monday night, May 16th. Uh, her dog was found at Belmont Park off of Elmwood Avenue on Wednesday, May 18th. She was reported missing on Thursday, the 19th. And here's the part I want to get to is she was known to frequent this home that I've covered. Anyone listening, folks, there's a, a, we have maps and photos and video of Staples Avenue right up in Appenog up from the uh, Crow's Nest. So, Tim Dodd, I want to go to. We don't know this conversation, but she was known to frequent this home on Staples Avenue. I believe police were told that's where she was headed that night. She was with a friend down in the Appenog area heading up to see the individual that lives on Staples Avenue, where she had been before. I even confirmed with one of the neighbors. They knew her. They knew her dog. They knew her truck. They'd seen her there. Whatever it is, the last six months, nine months, what have you. But so late Thursday, Friday. Police, Warwick police, show up at the residence on Staples Avenue. They ask the person in the house, are you so-and-so? Yes. I'd like to ask you some questions about Charlotte Lester. Now, Tim Dodd, again, I just want to walk through the scenario. Just This is more just so people have an understanding. Uh, you tell me, right then, at that moment, if I'm that individual, do I have any obligation to allow police in this case, work police, into my home to search my property? No, not without a warrant. Not no. without a warrant. No, now, police many times will say, what, do you have something to hide? What, do you have some, some guilty knowledge? Or, you know, and try to put the person on the defense so they're going to yep. say, well, no, I don't have anything to hide, whether they do or don't. Call their bluff, let them in, start lying, and before you know it, you've t- talked yourself into getting charged with a crime. So, Absent a search warrant, you have no obligation to let them in to do anything. Okay. Now let me play. They say we'd like to ask you some questions about Charlotte Lester. Do you know her? When's the last time you saw her? Again, I want to go back to in that situation, that moment happened either sometime on Friday or late Thursday. Owner of the home. His response, I, I got nothing to say to you. Is, is, he, is, that a lot, is that, has he broken a law? No, he's if if he's innocent, well, he would have nothing to hide. If he yep. has some involvement, whatever it may or may not be, he's absolutely within his rights to say, I'm not answering questions. He yep. has that constitutional right. Now, the cops might say, well, he's not talking. He must he must have done it. We have suspicions. The media yep. might think, well, he's done it. He must have suspicions. And those suspicions may be justified. Only time will tell. But he's smart to say, I'm not saying nothing. Yep. And, and I want the, the people, listeners, to understand that situation that I just laid out. Uh, under the, he is under no obligation to say, not only say, say anything then, at any point, Tim Dodd. It's, it's the ultimate. Again, now people, this can, can lead to suspicion with the police. It could lead to charges, could lead to someone inside a courtroom. But at no point, under the law, I just say this because some people say, well, at some point he's going to answer questions. I keep trying to explain. Absolutely not. could be like, hey, listen, I'm not letting you in. Uh, maybe I'm that person. Maybe I'm not. I got nothing to say to you. Get off my property. With absent of a warrant, that's, that's where it could end right there. And may have ended, as a matter of fact. And I've said many times on your show, yep. I get calls all the time. Tim, I just got a call from the ABC Police Department. They yep. want to ask me questions about such and such an event. Well, no, you don't have to go in. Right. Really? I don't have to. People think, you know, yes. they've got to go in. No, you don't. Right. And I typically say, no, you're not going. Give me the cop's phone number. Give me the name and number. I'll call him and say you're not coming in. Now, typically what a lawyer would say is he's not, he or she is not coming in. But if you decide you're going to issue an arrest warrant, let us know and we'll voluntarily present so you don't have to come make a big scene. Sure. 
absent that, we're not saying anything. Now, and that's the correct approach. Okay. Now, we, what we don't know, and I don't think we would unless this somehow becomes a case and charges and so forth. And then I've been there in the preliminary hearing when they say, you know, law enforcement went down, blah, blah, blah. But, but Tim Dodd, at some point, sticking with that first week, now on that Saturday, Warwick police did return to the premises on Staples Avenue. They then put crime scene tape around the property. And they are still Staples Avenue. That would lead us to believe that, no, we don't know if the person said, you can come in and look around or, but Tim Dot, here's the thing. For them to be able to stay there as long as they have, let's just say, and I realize we're dealing in hypotheticals, but I'm trying to play out, if, if they went to a judge and said, you know, we went to this individual and the person's not cooperating. Can we get a search warrant? I, again, I don't know if that would be enough. We don't know what's in the search warrant. Maybe it was backed up to by a, a neighbor, maybe a video, maybe a neighbor said, yeah, I, I saw her truck there, whatever it may be. Um, but what would it entail? For could, in other words, could a, would a judge just sign off saying because the guy wouldn't like let them come in and look around. No, that wouldn't no. be enough. No, not okay. at all. They'd have to have some other um, basis for having a reasonable suspicion. Many times, not this case, but in drug cases, there's a confidential informant. Somebody yep. has ratted out somebody else. Uh, they've done surveillance. Uh, they have video. They've got phone records. They got something. But if they have no physical evidence against this guy, and he's not speaking, they can't say, judge, he's not talking, so we need a search warrant so we can go find stuff out on our own. That would sure. not be sufficient. Okay. Now, work police, as I said, not only went in there on Saturday, May 21st, they have remained at the property. Still a missing person case. No one has been charged. There was a report, I think police confirmed, or a neighbor that they were seen draining the septic tank in the back of the house. Now, Tim Dodd, the police, all they did was confirm that a search warrant was executed at the home on Staples Avenue, connected, I believe they mentioned it was connected to the missing person case of Charlotte Lester. What, what would, should we glean from the fact that they're still sitting on the premises? Would it, in other words, would it be fair to say that they obviously found something that piqued their interest? Well, clearly there's something that has their interest and we can presume with pretty, pretty good guess that they, the cops have a lot more info than they're letting on right now. If right. they're looking through septic systems, et cetera, you know, many times they'll go as far as to um, look at the washer or dryer, look at the, uh, look at mm. the pipes leading away from the washing machine. Let's assume there's bloody clothes. This, again, this is all speculative. Yep. They would be looking potentially through the drainage system to see if there's any you know, blood or DNA evidence. Um, let's assume they find it. Apparently, this is a house she frequented. So right. we can presume there's hair samples in there. We can presume there's all sorts of genetic material that would identify her as being in the house. We would expect that she'd be in the house. So. Sure. Unless there's some blood evidence or some evidence that would suggest a struggle, and again, these are all way hypothetical, right. um, I'm not sure what they would find that would be inconsistent with the fact of a person having been there frequently. Now, the dog is certainly a question mark. Apparently, yeah. this woman never went anywhere without her dog. Right. So let's assume she was abducted. The dog is making a scene. They throw the dog out of the car or they, you know, they um, get rid dog of the dog, escapes. so to speak. Yeah. Or the dog could have escaped yeah. from a, um, a physical confrontation, let's say. Now, I don't know what kind of dog this is. I don't know if, how protective the dog is. But the fact that this dog is separated from uh, an owner who was very attached to the dog doesn't bode well for, you know, 
a good ending for this case. Again, it's right. all speculative, but it doesn't bode well for a good ending to this thing. They also found, um, cops didn't find it. I, I think it was people who were searching the neighborhood and searching yeah. the area find these notes. Yep, Lone Ken Hospital. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you want to call them love notes or whatever Ooh, you want they, to call them. Yeah. Um, do we know that this guy is the guy that sent them? Can they prove it? Have they done a handwriting analysis versus known exemplars of his handwriting? Um, and even if it's the case, what does it mean? Maybe she mm. liked these notes. Maybe she had them in her pocket. Maybe they were in her handbag. Maybe, yep. again, I'm assuming a lot. And maybe if her handbag was taken, those things were thrown out before um, she and they left the scene, assuming yep. there's a she and a they leaving the scene. But to get back to your point about should this guy be speaking? Um, it's no. more of how, how they ended up in the house, I think, is more my well, yeah, I, point. But, yeah. And, and I think you brought up on your air, and I don't want to repeat what you've already discussed, no, right. but Scott Peterson, Lacey yes. Peterson, huh. he would have... I went fishing. What <laughs> an idiot. fishing right here in the bay, really. That's funny. Be That's right where the then two weeks later the body washed up or a week because later. Because he had the arrogance to yeah. think that he had effectively disposed of her body by weighting yes. it down. He didn't think that, you know, tides. You, you, yeah. tides. And when bodies decompose, body parts separate mm. and different parts of a body might wash up on shore. So he yeah. was arrogant enough to think that he could sort of tell the truth and that they would never figure it out because she was never going to wash up. Had he right. kept his mouth shut and say, yeah. where have you been for the last day? I'm not telling you. What did you do? I'm not telling you. So now weeks later, a body washes up. If he hadn't committed to a story, which puts him right there, right there, um, they would have had a hard time prosecuting him. Yeah. Tim Dodd, one final question um, with Charlotte Lister. Right now it's, you know, mid June, uh, Possible the, the the police sitting on the house, July fourth. Are they maybe still sitting there twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, around the clock, with a, a police uh, with the house is sealed off? Only if they're able to articulate in an okay. affidavit sufficient facts to induce a judge to continue the uh, the active warrant. It's okay. extremely unusual. I'm not yeah. sure what they're expecting um, to change in terms of the physical. Uh, situation and whatever the evidence could be that's mm. um that they haven't already looked at you know unless they're going to start digging up the backyard to see if there's any evidence yeah a police officer said to me that's what's so uncommon it's just so long most of the time a lot of like get a, a search warrant for a drug raid they're in and out of the same day i've covered murders that two days later the tape is gone and the house is looks like nothing ever happened rather unusual going week oh, four now it's right? very unusual yes because yeah. they would have got the evidence they wanted they would have looked at his computer they would have looked at his phone they would have taken any physical samples they would have photographed it they would have looked for dna evidence and anything else that they wanted um if they had enough evidence to start digging up the back backyard or the front yard looking for evidence that might be buried uh, in an attempt to to hide it, they would have had a full opportunity in the last month to do that. So yeah. it's extremely unusual. What's going to change at that crime scene that they have not already documented and tested? I don't know. And one last question, Tim Dodd. Are they in communication with the judge? Like, and again, we're speculating. Is the judge saying, like, what's going on with this? Or does everyone maybe know the deal so they know, well, okay, this is the, the path we've gone down? If they've executed the warrant... And they have an inventory of what the warrant disclosed in terms of what they they have to say what they're looking for. And then sure. they've got to return a, a service on the warrant saying this is what we found. Hmm. Now, the warrants, yes, you have a search warrant to go look for X, Y, and Z. They report back. We found X and Z, but we didn't find Y. Now, if... The, the results of the search now lead to looking for more information. They go in with a second search warrant request with a new affidavit. They can get a new warrant, but it, it's, it's not an open-ended thing. Okay. Folks, a uh, quick break. Much more ahead.
our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus, for heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401-885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com. Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359. And in Rhode Island, 401 401- 885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. To the John DePietro Show, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, dipietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link, contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter, it's all right there at the website, dipietro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at dipietro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, dipietro.com. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. To check out our website, dipetro.com, dipetro.com, which is sponsored by and brought to you by the Centerdale Revival Comfort Food and Cocktails, located 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Shane and his crew, what a wonderful job they've done. Winner of several Rhode Island Best of Awards, Best of Rhode Island Awards, the Centerdale Revival delicious food cocktails a lot of fun stop it and see them 2025 smith street in north providence